You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. Today is going to be a podcast about crypto, big tech, and adult entertainment. And you might say, what the heck, Dave? This is a biohacking show. Why would you have an episode like this? And the reason is that I want to talk about choice and freedom and why I think it's fundamentally important that you can make a living doing whatever you want to do without restriction and mostly without judgment because there will always be douchebags who judge, but it doesn't matter. Their judgment shouldn't affect your ability to do what you want to do. So we're going to learn about entrepreneurship specifically within the adult sex entertainment business. We're going to talk about wet space, which is something that came about after uh, OnlyFans just one day woke up and said, oh, we're not going to support the people who make their living on our platform. And we're going to talk about how you can run business around and outside of the world of big tech. This is important even if you have no interest in adult entertainment because, well, big tech has way too much power right now and there are ways to do things and go around them. And I think all of us are going to need more of that over the next few years. So this is entrepreneurship. It's adult entertainment. It's about dealing with judgment and dealing with unreasonable restrictions on fundamental human freedoms. And plus, it's going to be a fun show anyway. Our guest today is someone who really came up against this uh, very, very clearly. Her name is Allie Ray. She's a wife, mother, retired nurse, Navy veteran, and CEO of Wetspace. And you've probably heard about OnlyFans by now. Wetspace is not a direct competitor, but it's, it's similar. And this is what happens when an entrepreneur says, what I need isn't available, I'm going to make it. And that is what I did with Clean Coffee. And that is what many other guests on the show have done, uh, where they talk about, huh, the way the current industry does it is not working, so I'm just going to have to fix it myself. This is the highest value of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs solve problems that don't have solutions right now. There's another kind of entrepreneur who just copies other people's stuff, and those are generally bad people. <laughs> so I try to avoid copycat entrepreneurs from the show, but I like original innovators, and Ali Ray is definitely one of those. And I love that there's a crypto angle here. Ali Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You've had an interesting path here from the Navy to nursing. Um, <laughs> how, how did you end up where you are now? It, it seems like quite an odyssey. Oh, it is. Uh, you know, I went into the Navy at a very young age. I was only 17 years old, so I had to have my fam, you know, my parents kind of allow me to go in. Um, and it, you know, it set me up. It taught me a lot about life and success and, and more importantly, in my opinion, you know, just professionalism and what I believe led me to, you know, be able to have the success in entrepreneurship that I have today. Um, I ended up, once I got out, I went into nursing school it was always my passion to be a nurse. Um, I was a NICU nurse and ICU uh, for neonates. Um, I was fantastic at it and I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, but during the pandemic, I started to do, um, you know, my husband worked for the airlines, so he got furloughed and we kind of lost an income. And I had already mm -hmm. had an Instagram where, you know, I was doing like beer reviews and just like a vlog. Um, 
And so many people would talk about this OnlyFans, and I, I had no idea what it was. But to make a long story short, I ended up just you know kind of toying around with it and did very well on it on the very my very first month. Um, it was something that I hid from my personal life. I didn't uh, talk about it at work. I was highly respected on my unit, very um, you know educated. I, I actually had my doctorate degree. I was going on to do neonatal research. And I was discovered. Um, a couple other nurses actually found out what I was doing on the side, and it ultimately cost me my job. And I, you know, I advocated for myself for quite a while because it certainly wasn't something that I uh, felt was impacting the way that I was caring for my patients, um, et cetera. But um, I was faced with an ultimatum to discontinue what I was doing on the side, or you know, I would not be able to work on my unit anymore. Um, it was a really unpleasant experience. It went on for many months and, you know, ultimately I chose to leave and continue to do OnlyFans. Is that legal? Looking back on it, uh, certainly wasn't legal. Is that legal? Looking back on it, uh, certainly wasn't legal. Their angle that they took was that it was a distraction to the unit, which I don't argue that at that point it wasn't, but I didn't cause that distraction. You know, this was other members, other nurses that had brought it to everyone's attention. I was mortified when people found out. I I never wanted anyone to know what I was doing. Um, So it was a distraction on the unit. And it's not like I got fired, but I was given an ultimatum. And um, you know, for me, the environment was so toxic at that point. I definitely wasn't respected um, as much on the unit as I used to be. And so it, it was the right thing for me to do. Not to mention financially the way on OnlyFans, I mean, I was I was doing very well. I was very close to a million a year at that point. And so it, it, I didn't need to be there financially, you know, and I think that was a very difficult decision to me. A lot of people judge me for that, for putting money before my passion, but we're not talking a little bit of money. This was this was life changing. And, and also, it's how you take care of your family is by being a breadwinner. And I I have a a real hard time if what you're doing outside of work has nothing to do with work. It's one thing if you're running a you know, blog on criticizing neonatal intensive care nurses, which are by the way the highest trained of all nurses, and it, it's a really it's a really tough job. Yeah. So if you're doing something that's competitive or critical, but something unrelated, that seems like they probably crossed some HR boundaries there. Uh, but um, it definitely, say, you, you made a big splash in even mainstream news about this because you're talking about real amounts of money and talking about you know getting fired for doing something. If you look at what uh, Pornhub does in terms of traffic, uh, you look at... Uh, OnlyFans, clearly there's a demand for this and you're saying, all right, I, I like doing it and it's it's profitable. Like what's what's the deal? So do you think that the the, the two people who came up and were all you know, critical and coming after you, if you had to hypothesize without knowing, um, are these like people who were like highly programmed by churches, by abusive parents? Like what makes people act that way? Yeah, well, learning now, it was actually a group of about five different people. Um, I, I've learned this now. And I do know one of which um, was the wife of a, of a pastor. So I, I imagine there was some religious component to that. Um, and then the others, I, you know, I've asked myself that question, um, like, why would you care what I'm doing? Why do you feel so strongly about this? But I, 
I can't really answer to what the stigma is or what, you know, their driving force behind that besides being quote unquote Karens or mean girls. Um, I, I definitely have encountered more religious criticism than anything. Um, that's certainly been, I mean, I've had that even after the fact with like accountants or CPAs that have told me they can't work with me. Um, it, it's very interesting at how deep, you know, some of those beliefs go in the level of criticism that there is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a variety of things. It's funny because churches don't have to pay taxes. Have you ever thought of making wet space into a church? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, just, you could. Not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> just worship at this altar. I mean, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because this profession, um, which trust me, I, I'm not going to deny that I, in the past, like I have no background in this. Okay. So I too probably used to have preconceived notions of people in the porn industry or what people were doing. And so there's a, there's a level to me that understands that ignorance and that maybe um, that's kind of been my mission is that I am a different face to this industry. A lot of people, you know, follow me on some social medias and are like, there's no way she's doing this. And I hope that I could paint a different picture that you can still be a great mother, wife, you know, educated and still do something like this. And it doesn't make you a bad person or something, you know, icky or whatever it is that, you know, goes through people's heads. I think that's important to me to try to change that perception. What went through your head the first time you got naked in front of a camera? Uh, I mean, definitely there was some drinks involved. <laughs> I certainly... <laughs> That's an honest answer. I mean, I will be honest with that. It was kind of like... I mean, I think, you know, to take this back, I got married at 18. My husband and I have been married for 20 years this year. And... I think it was quite liberating. You know, I'm a middle-aged woman. I'm 37 years old and I was getting a lot of attention. Um, you know, I think my husband certainly enjoyed seeing the confidence come back into me. Um, I spent, you know, my 20s having children. I have a 19-year-old, you know, so I, when I was younger, didn't have that kind of fun, sexy 20-year-old life. And so there was some aspect of it that was quite liberating. It was kind of fun. And I think that was the driving force initially behind things is that, wow, here I am and I'm getting my confidence and my husband loves seeing that back in me. Um, and it was innocent. And my husband and I have such an open relationship. We're so close with each other that um, there was never any concern of him thinking, well, what is she doing? Or who's talking to her on there? It was always such a um, very transparent thing we were doing that it, it just worked for us and it doesn't work for everyone. Um, but yeah, I would say liberating was quite, was probably the biggest emotion I had. For women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, being seen as attractive is a massively important thing. And I think it's oftentimes just the internal voice in the head because I think there's a lot of guys like, yeah, you're attractive, but if you don't feel it and just hearing it and probably seeing it in, in follower count has to just be incredibly, it's, validating is the wrong word, but it's just like acknowledging that you're an attractive person and that you're desirable. I, I think we need more of that in the world, not less. Yeah, especially online, you know, you're so much criticism and I'm I'm surprised that um I don't remember a lot of it and I don't know if, you know, I just didn't pay attention to it, but I was so overwhelmed with just um the positive feedback um about, you know, what people thought, not only about looks, but just how free-spirited at this age that I could be. And um I think that's really what um until this day is a lot of my fan base and my followers are are very much attracted to that. Talk to me a little bit about 
OnlyFans. How is it a business? Is it porn? Is it not porn? What was your experience working with them? Well, I didn't really even discover. I think I was on an interview once and someone asked me, so you're doing porn. I stopped. I'm like, well, we're going to have to Google that because I don't know. Am I technically doing porn at this point? Um, And I think by definition I am. But what's interesting about OnlyFans is it's not, it's really to the creator's level of comfortability. And the great thing is you could start off very racy and work your way up to where you want to be or not at all if you don't want to. And I think it's really in the creator's control, uh, not knowing a lot about the actual porn industry, but that I do now, um, that it's really crazy that there were so many people involved in porn before OnlyFans because they really have complete control of your content. And they still do to this day, even people that are out of the industry, they're content that they made in the porn industry was the property of that production. And that just um, is one thing about OnlyFans is that you you have control over your content and what you want and you have complete financial gain from your contract, you know, your content, it's all yours. Um, so for me, I really enjoyed that because I never felt that I was pressured into doing something I didn't want to do because it was my page. Whereas I'm sure in many areas, you know, of the adult entertainment industry and porn, uh, big production that they do go through that and feel, you know, obligated to fulfill those roles or those kinks or things that they need to do. So I really, that part for me was um, very comforting to know that I didn't have to do anything I didn't want to do. So, so instead of being a contractor or employee, mm-hmm. you're actually an entrepreneur and you control your own content. Exactly. For sure. And, and, you know, OnlyFans provides that medium. Um, there are many creators on the platform who don't necessarily even do to the level of content that I do. And, um, I think that's wonderful because their fan base can, you know, they can still have their fan base and and do what they do and, and, you know, make a living off of it. What do you think about people who say that, you know, porn is bad for you or that porn is making it so, you know, young, young people don't even know what to expect when they first have sex and things like that? You know, when I think about that, um, you know, I came from just growing up, I came from a very broken home and I didn't have a lot of positive body image and and sex talks. and, And at least from what I can remember, I don't remember any of that. Um, but it's one thing with my own kids that I know I've been very diligent about body positivity and that sex is a natural thing. It's it's a very part of, important part of relationships in a marriage. Um, it's, in my opinion, you know, it's it's a connection. And I think that, you know, I, I'm not going to go as far to say, no, I don't prefer that my 12-year-old's watching porn by any means. Um, but I don't think that it should be looked at as so taboo as it is at, you know, there's, there's age appropriate, you know, age, you know, there is a level of age appropriateness, but I think trying to shelter, you know, levels, you know, generation of teenagers from things that we already know they're seeing and they're talking about, I think that's just the thing. The more you kind of control it from them, the more they either think that it's naughty or that it's bad and they get a negative perception of sex and things like that. I think it's hard because there's so many aspects to porn, especially as you get into fetishes and things like that, that could be very confusing to um, an adolescent who doesn't even know about the basics of sex. Um, and I think that's really where you know parents come, in, come into play, where you have to make sure you have those talks with your kids and such. So you know, porn 
can be addiction for some, but I don't think that's any different than a gambling addiction. Any kind of addiction that gets in the way of your your regular day-to-day activities or your family or your loved ones, I mean, that's a problem, whether it's porn or gambling or smoking or drugs. It's the same type of thing. So to single out porn is a little bit unfair, um, you know, which often in times happens because it creates a lot of emotions in relationships, especially one partner's enjoying porn and the other didn't know about it. So it can be a, it can be a feeling of infidelity even there. And I think that's where a lot of that negativity comes from too. Kudos to you as a parent for being sex positive with your kids. And I do my best. Um, fortunately, my wife is European where sex is less stigmatized. Um, so in, in Europe, you know, your, your first time could very well be, you know, your mom gives you a condom, says, you guys go upstairs, you know, <laughs> did you have a good time? And it, yeah. it's such a different thing that the American, you know, sneak off to a back of a car somewhere or, or wherever you can go, which, which is really common. Um, so making it a normal human behavior like eating and, and sex is a form of nourishment. Um, some people would say that porn is kind of junk food for that. Um that said, a lot of people like to have dessert sometimes, and there's <laughs> right. higher quality and lower quality. And so I, I'm not anti-porn. I'm anti-porn addiction and excessive masturbation and all that that kind of thing. Do you think that OnlyFans and wet space now are reducing or potentially increasing sex trafficking? That's a big, um, that was one of my top concerns when starting um, to develop wet space was, um, you know, obviously crypto going hand in hand now with the adult. I mean, it's just like a medium where you you would anticipate that things like that. And we're, we're obviously taking many measures above and beyond the requirements to prevent things like that. I'm very, very passionate about sex trafficking um, and how that is impacting our communities. And I will say um, the internet has made sex trafficking more prevalent. And so while, you know, we could single it out that it's OnlyFans, it's this, but if you look at Twitter and Facebook, um, if I understand correctly, don't quote me, but most of the statistics state that there's more sex trafficking done on those platforms than there is on OnlyFans. OnlyFans and any adult platform is under guidelines where, you know, the creators and such and every creator that appears on there has to be KYC'd, um, you know, uploading their identification, verifying age. You don't necessarily need that with Twitter or Facebook. And so I think there's, to single out these platforms that are just more heavily porn-based is really unfair because Twitter and Facebook themselves alone also create um, a, a beautiful medium for that. And I think that's something that needs to be thought, you know, talked about because um, it's a problem. Sex trafficking in gen- general is a problem. And so I don't feel like creating wet space, I'm, I'm adding to that. I feel like on, for the crypto side of it, you know, you have to be concerned about money laundering. And of course, there's an anonymity factor now that could um, potentially you know, make it easier for some of these things to happen. But that's why my team and my two business partners were very passionate about that. And we certainly, like I said, are going above and beyond. We will have a full team that moderates and and actively looks to make sure that that type of content is not happening on our platform. We also are going to have triggers in place of any kind of large sums of money or things that look suspicious. We're writing algorithms for that. That will also aid um, in helping us collect data in the event that you know law enforcement seek to obtain that data from us. We're, we're trying to really cover all avenues to help with that. The, the best tech companies out there used to have it set up so that even if they got a subpoena, they couldn't answer it because they use appropriate encryption, which, by the way, is a 
is a pretty good setup because that means that you don't have to spend a lot of money complying with subpoenas because it's simply not possible. And um, Apple was the last one to fall where now anything in the Apple cloud um, can be subpoenaed. But if it's on your device and you have a long enough password, it's very, very hard, if not impossible, to get into it. Uh, so there's there's a fundamental thing about privacy and freedom. In fact, even that whole Fourth Amendment thing about search and seizure seems kind of important. Um, so I, I like it that you're using crypto, but also we don't want sex trafficking or um, other even you know more terrible things um, like stuff with kids or whatever. And so you've put tools in place to remove that and make sure it just can't be done on wet space. Talk to me about what happened when OnlyFans announced just overnight, even so it was like more than half the revenue, that they weren't going to support anyone with adult content? What what happened? Walk me through that story. What happened when OnlyFans announced just overnight, even so it was like more than half the revenue, that they weren't going to support anyone with adult content? What what happened? Walk me through that story. Well, it was actually just like the worst timing because I actually, my story had just came out the week prior. So I was at the height, obviously, of my OnlyFans was, you know, I had so much traffic and everything was coming in. Well, um, people were looking to me to make comment on that because I was the biggest story in the news and the biggest success story they had had on OnlyFans. And I remember thinking kind of just being in this daze that, Wow, that that that's it. You know, you're just kind of at the mercy of these platforms. And I wanted to understand more about that because why would a company want to get rid of billions of dollars of content? You know, that's essentially what would be happening in such short notice. Um, and it didn't take long for me to figure out after talking that where the driving force was behind that, that it wasn't necessarily OnlyFans' fault or what they were trying to do. It was the pressure they were getting from these banking institutions. Um, and so that led me to kind of dig into things and think about the stability and the longevity of my business now, because at this point, um, this is no longer a hobby. It's a business for me. And as any business in any industry, you know, you want to protect your business and provide stability and, and have long-term prosperity. So I, I started to research a little bit about why these hat banks had to be involved and how far that went across so much. I looked into like Pornhub and how they had gone through similar things, you know, in the past that again was due to Visa and MasterCard. Um, and that's what really started leading me into a lot of uh, news articles and things about crypto. I got involved with a crypto project called Cumrocket and they were a crypto coin and they were basically providing where adult content creators could make NFTs. And I liked the sound of it because it was also a little bit about content protection. And I liked the fact that there was no banks involved and it sounded appealing to me. But within weeks of being on the project, I realized very quickly, this is never going to work. With a basic understanding of crypto was if all there's half of our, you know, half of the masters are investors and the other half are the creators creators want to get paid. They're going to cash out. They're going to take their money because this is what they do. Where investors, that's not going to hold value for this, the coin long-term. Like, How are you going to incentivize uh, the creators to actually not immediately cash out and drive down the value of the coin? So as I'm looking at this happen, I'm stepping back. I'm thinking, okay, forget the coin. The crypto is the answer. Yes, like it's decentralized. We don't have banks involved. 
But the coin's a problem because the coin is actually, sure, it's giving the company a lot of capital up front. They're making a crap ton of money so they can build this wonderful platform. But what does that do long-term? You're really going to tick these people off because their investment is going to go to the gutter. And that's when I figured out, why can't we just create a platform that runs on crypto where you can pay with like stable coins that are basically equal for, to the dollar and they don't fluctuate um, and, and not make it about an investment. And luckily I had the capital of my own money to actually um, create that and do that. And that's when I partnered with two other business partners. Um, and that's really the story of wet space. And it just kind of came to me with this immense amount of anxiety and fear that, holy crap, I'm making... At that time, when the Nolan fans made their announcement, I was at $380,000 a month. And I remember thinking, wow. this is insane. Like, this is big money we're talking. You know, I was pulling in a lot. Um, and so for that to be gone with a 30-day notice, I mean, I was panicking. Um, and a lot of creators at that time started diverting to other platforms. And this is another important piece of WetSpace is that I was one of the only that did not divert my traffic. Luckily, OnlyFans changed their decision, but I did not start running to Fansly because I thought, well, aren't they going to run into the same problem because yes. they're accepting <laughs> fiat? So what are we going to drive all this traffic? And then, you know, three years down the road, going to have the same problem. And it just didn't make sense to me. And so with those components together is really what made me think there, there needs to be a solution here. Um, I'm not running away from OnlyFans by any means. I'll, I'll stay on there as long as they'll have me. I have a great relationship with them, but I definitely am smart enough um, to know that I need a backup. I need to. I need to know that there's a solution for creators, you know, long term. So that's that's kind of how it came about. A lot of people don't know how brutal the banks and the credit card processors are on all kinds of businesses, including adult entertainment. But if you want to buy nootropics or smart drugs or prescription drugs with an offshore, um, an offshore component to them, where a doctor offshore writes a script. This is stuff that's kept me, I would say, probably alive and certainly kept my brain working when I was pretty sick. And I could buy it, but those companies, they pop up and then they go away because the credit card processors come after them. When you look at cannabis, for years after it became legal in some states, the credit card processors wouldn't take the money. So these guys were walking around with buckets full of cash and getting robbed. And it was creating all kinds of, of problems. And this is not law. This is heavy handed behavior from monopolies. You know, did you want credit card? Uh, okay. It's American Express, it's Visa or it's MasterCard. And that's pretty much it. Oh, and Discover, whatever, if they're still around. So that's, that's it. And those guys have enormous control as much as insurance companies who also don't want to insure adult entertainers, right? Yeah, absolutely. So do you have solutions in place for the insurance side? Are you thinking about that? As well as clearly you've got the payment side just handled with crypto, which takes the banks out. Yeah, I haven't really thought, looked too much into the insurance side of things. Um, I personally haven't had that, you know, in, you know, myself, I haven't ran into that. But I feel like that at any level that, you know, where you're reliant on big tech and if they change the way they do things or the way they want to, you know, like you said, with these financial institutions, they really run the show. And I mean, you, if you can't pay your creators and you can't accept payment, you have no platform. So at any time, if they want to change things or get more strict on guidelines or what you're allowed to have, that's why with so many people were so bitter with OnlyFans, I thought they don't, they're not in control. They have to go by what 
is being told to them or they can't process payments. It's kind of the same thing that happened with um, Russia and Ukraine when they started those creators. You know, there was a lot of OnlyFans got a lot of backlash on that. But if they don't have a payment processor, they can't pay. So they have to suspend these accounts so that they're not selling and then what, you know, having all this fictitious money in these sales. So it's really, I've learned a lot and I actually feel as though it's just crazy to think every which way this is, this industry is not looked at as an actual business. And it's one of the highest profiting industries. And it's, it's insane to me because of course the government and taxes we pay, they look at it as a business, but it really, um, it's not. And it's very, very difficult to obtain these payment processors and have these contracts with them. And that's why, you know, crypto could very well be a, a big solution to that long-term. And, and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, the adult industry has pioneered quite a few new things. You know, they've, they've <laughs> always been on the forefront of there's a will, there's a way and people will consume porn. They will. I mean, I, I'm laughing because I come from the world of tech and people don't know VHS. Yeah. That was made because of porn and the first <laughs> teleconferencing, you know, where you could do what we're doing right now um, over a variety of video platforms that all was driven by porn. And then it was taken into business do you think crypto is long-term stable for you, though? Because isn't the U.S. government, aren't most other governments about to use central bank digital currencies, which are an absolute abhorrent thing? But it feels like they're going to sort of take over and legislate crypto so you can't use it the way you're using it. You know, that's funny when that, you know, a lot of people in the crypto or in the industry, I think there was, they longed for so long for validation of crypto. You know, in the beginning, everyone talked and made fun of it, you know, back in the early days of Bitcoin. So when the government starts announcing and actually, you know, basically accepting crypto into the mainstream, I think there was a general excitement. But for me, there wasn't. I was kind of taken back, like, I don't look at this necessarily as the greatest of things. You know, anytime you get their involvement, things usually go to crap. So I just... For me, it's a little bit concerning. Um, I don't look at it as, oh, this is amazing. I think it's more... Um, it's a little scary. As far as, you know, I don't think there's much they can, I mean, they could certainly ban crypto. I mean, I think there's many countries that have. I think given that there is such a, it's so popular now and there's so many people involved, I don't know that they can completely do away with it. Um, I do have faith that they're literally, you're not going to be able to get rid of what we're doing. So if it fails with the Visa MasterCard, if it fails with crypto, there will be another way it will be consumed. Like, you know, you talked about that it's not going away. Porn has is, is been here for quite a while. And it's, it's like you've said, pioneered many other advances in technology. So I, I foresee that there would be another solution. But um, it is something I'm watching closely. I, I think that will take some time if that was to occur and and hopefully by then there would be another you know a workaround or something that we'd be able to work with after all prohibition worked so well in the US when they tried <laughs> that uh, so the same thing yeah. would happen if they tried to say you know people can't look at naked people because apparently biologically we like to do that and that's just part of being human. Well, Hollywood has film, you know, where you have rated our movies and how is that any different? I mean, it, because they're acting, well, many of us are acting too. So it's kind yeah. of, it's interesting. 
I did an interview a while ago about how some of that stuff in Hollywood isn't acting and the actresses there don't have any of the protections that you actually have in adult entertainment where they weren't expecting it to actually go in, but it did and it made for a more more realistic shoot. And that was was pretty shocking to learn that, that that's a part of Hollywood. So one of my concerns is that when central banks run cryptocurrencies, they can control how you spend it. And with the stigma um, that's here, they could literally say, oh, you can't spend this currency on adult entertainment or you can't spend it on whatever. So they will actually use it to control what you're allowed to use your digital dollars for, which is a terrible thing. Governments don't have that right. So I have zero interest in in a central bank currency, plus they can inflate or deflate that currency at will and they can steal it from you if, say, you donate money to a trucker or something. And we already see evidence of that without digital currencies. So I'm, uh, I'm highly concerned just for, as, a, as a human being, um, maybe gold is going to be more valuable, but I guess you have to mail that into your, your web space account. Is that, <laughs> right. You'd have to load thing. that up. How much gold do you have? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we're already seeing some of this with like Coinbase, um, Coinbase, you know, has really started to limit, uh, you you know, in terms of there was another creator who I, I'm not sure of her name, but I remember she had lost her Coinbase account because she was actually doing crypto transactions on the side and it was adult, you know, content. And so there was a problem with that. Um, and that really shocked me because that's kind of like goes against what crypto is. Now we're, you know, again, we're regulating. And so uh, we're seeing some of that. Luckily, you know, we have Trust Wallet, MetaMask. There's other ways for us. You know, we don't have to use Coinbase Wallet, but um, it is something definitely that I was shocked to see with the Coinbase situation, and that they were actually putting restrictions on adult content. A lot of people just don't know the the evil that even more companies like PayPal can do. There's been three yes. times. Uh, in my time when I was involved with Bulletproof, uh, where they just randomly said, oh, you sold too much. We're holding hundreds of thousands of dollars at hostage with no interest for 90 days. Meanwhile, like um, that was my revenue that buys the next you know, batch of coffee. But there's no, you have no say. They take it and you can call an 800 number and they'll put you on hold. There's nothing you can do. Or you could sue them. But you know how even if you took all of your lifetime OnlyFans and what space earnings and put them together, it's not going to dent the legal budget for those guys. So they're kind of untouchable and they're not the government. They're just doing what they want. And so that we crypto helps us break free of that for sure. But if Coinbase is going to do that or any others, it comes down to hopefully more decentralized things, um, yeah. decentralized now- finance and Web3 and all that. Now we know why our grandfathers kept their money in a box in the house because it get, you know you get it into the system it's very difficult you don't know what's going to happen to it now it's kind of all making sense but yeah it's it's very scary and um, it's it's at every corner you turn I mean I in this industry I can't tell you how many roadblocks we had even from just being able to put a simple link in our bio you know it's it's restricted if it's not uh, something that you know they want us to put on there so it's it's very difficult. I mean, you have to give it up to people that are successful in this industry because you have to go through quite a bit to, to actually drive that traffic because you can't just go out there and talk about it on your Instagram. You know, you have to be quite cryptic about it. A lot of people think of of what they know about the adult entertainment industry, and they're pretty much looking at, you know, what was the movie with Dirk Diggler? Uh, you know, the, the the stuff where it's kind of the CD 70s uh Hollywood portrayed version of it. 
Boogie Nights. Thank you. That's that's the movie. Thanks, Upgrade Collective. I knew you guys would know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you think that it it's gotten better for women in particular? I mean, guys don't necessarily always have a good time in porn either. Contrary to popular belief, I, I've I've seen a few interviews where people are saying, you know, it's it's kind of miserable. I feel like a piece of meat. And I think a lot of the the female porn stars are saying, "You're yeah, welcome to the club." But is it is it better now than it used to be? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I feel like, well, just with there's more freedoms now. And if you think about, you know, having mediums like OnlyFans that you, you know, you have the freedom to kind of paint that how you'd like. You don't really have to, you're not under big production and, and their narrative and how they want things to be. Um, but I think there's a lot to um, the female dominance stuff has come into play a lot and that kind of thing, you know, so it's not always just porn where the, you know, woman is just, like you said, a piece of meat and, and, and that kind of thing. There's many roles now, but I think that having, being able to have the creativity and it, it getting away from just your typical porn production and it having it be more candid. I know my content in general is very candid. It's, I, I, it's not big production. I like it that way. It's it's very real. And I think that's really, um, you know, that's been appealing to people because it does start to get kind of cookie cutter and the same and the roles are the same, you know, naughty teacher, naughty nurse. And um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot more flexibility now. Um, I also think about uh, sex workers that, and I hate even using that term because I know it's the way that mainstream describes this industry, but I don't resonate with it. But um is that, you know, some of these people were doing actual prostitution and that OnlyFans has provided a safer environment for them. Um, that wasn't my case, but I think about the people that came, you know, creators that were at strip clubs that were, you know, under those conditions or on the streets that are now able to make a living um, on online and in a safer environment is, is something to say that uh, positive that they also have contributed to, for sure. Um, I... I believe that that's probably the second oldest profession in the world, if not the oldest, and it's it's not going away. I, I've always thought that making it uh, safe and legal is the only rational approach to both respect people's rights to do what they want to do, and also uh, in the places in Europe where they've made it legal, it's much safer, <laughs> and it, it seems like it hasn't caused anyone any harm there. I want to talk about your transition to being a CEO. So you're like Navy, which is a great background, uh, by the way, for becoming an executive, just because you know how to get your shit together. Otherwise, well, I know they, <laughs> they lock you in the brig or something. But uh, so you did that. And then you've got nursing, which is also very structured. You know, you know, every tool right where it is, you know what you're going to do. There's operational roles and procedures for everything. And I, I know about that because I'm married to an ER doctor. Okay. Um, so I, I hear a lot about that stuff. Uh, so I should say former ER doctor, but, um, and then it, it's kind of the wild west where you're making OnlyFans content, but now you're in a, uh, an executive leadership role and you know, you're, you're going out there and doing the CEO thing. How's the transition and, uh, and how much time do you spend being an executive versus creating content? Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a different role. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols 
to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. How much time do you spend being an executive versus creating content? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a different role. Um, I love, I, I still balance them both the same very well. I do um, web space 24-7. I mean, I my team, I have two business partners. They, they've remained anonymous, but they are um, developers by trade and they have worked with many big Fortune 500 companies, Disney, Verizon, one of the reasons they need to be anonymous, but they, they are phenomenal and they have really helped me kind of learn that aspect of launching your own business. You know, I definitely, that's where I lacked. I knew I had the entrepreneur spirit um, but definitely like just the whole structure of how things go and, and starting a business outside of something like an OnlyFans has been such a learning opportunity for me. Um, I will say my military background, 100% and nursing background has helped me. I'm very focused. I definitely um, have the ability to transition very easily from, you know, Ali Ray on OnlyFans to Ali Ray, the CEO. And I also took, when my story broke loose, um, I really took it to heart and I, I took value in the fact of how the feedback and the reception that people had of me in the public and the amount of women and the the type of people that reached out to me, CEOs, vice principals of, you know, high schools, et cetera, that were just so supportive and impressed with my ability to stand up and, and talk about these things. And I, I came into this advocacy role and I take it seriously. And I think that really helps me with wet space as well, because I know that I'm not the only creator out there that is is sitting, standing by hoping for um, a solution. And so that really drives me. It really does. And I I even creating the platform and designing it, I, I'm thinking about the workflow and the business aspect for the creator, um, all the while also creating, thinking of the fan. And that's something that goes unnoticed a lot is the fans' desire for anonymity. That We're not the only ones, uh, the creators with stigma. I mean, some fans that want to consume content simply can't because they can't have it on their bank statements because, well, the wife or the CPA or heck, you know, you go to buy a house, you got to print your bank statements. There's, a, there's an issue there too that they, a, a component that they actually, um, you know, have to deal with backlash and the stigma of even consuming the content. So that was really important to me as all with as well with wet space. And that makes it very easy for me to run the business knowing that um, I'm doing this for a good cause. There are people rooting for me. There is a whole community out there that is looking, that needed a face, needed advocacy and a face that they could relate to. And I think that was the most important is how relatable my story was to people and that my personality and that um, I definitely, I don't take that for granted. And I want to utilize that on, on my platform for sure. Do you ever feel sort of stressed like, you know, I need to have a board meeting, but I also need to you know, film a new video? Yeah, it's definitely a balance. And I think this goes into um, 
the fact of how much of a business this truly is in general and that the amount of work that goes into being any type of content creator, whether it's on OnlyFans, TikTok, or wherever, um, it's 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 something you have to stay relevant. You have to always get creative. You have to think of new ideas, new content, and it's very time-consuming. Um, one of the great thing is, things about you know the, my industry is kind of overlapping is that I know I'm creating um, the amount of time and effort that I'm putting into wet space. I'm also vlogging a lot of that to okay, eventually put right. out. I'm trying to kind of balance the two. Um, but it is important to me that, you know, I, I have to continue to run my OnlyFans business, despite that I'm running some may say a competitor to OnlyFans. I don't look at it that way. Um, I look at it differently, but yeah, I think it's just a balance and I, I do it well. And I don't, you know, I, I put myself through nursing school, um, while working full time, I've always been able to juggle. I think as a nurse, multitasking is, um, you know, just something that lives within you. But um, it's definitely, you know, I'm I'm working 16 to 18 hour days. I mean, you have to be uh, disciplined. You have to have a schedule, and you know, I have content days where I film content in bulk so that I have stuff to get me by for you know weeks to come. And I think that's that's really important. Is really utilizing your time. Time management is what it really comes down to. Do people recognize you on the street? Yeah, it has happened, um, especially now that people know I live in Florida. Um, it's gotten a little uneasy. We definitely, um, especially in this industry, you know, there's it, it's a little more unsafe, I think, than just being someone that they recognize from you know TikTok or something. It's it's concerning, um, but most of the time, it's been a positive interaction. Um, it has happened with my kids present, um, and I have never felt that any fans disrespected or, uh, you know, they definitely respected my situation and knew when it was wrong or right time to approach. Um, and so I, I haven't had negative experiences with that yet, but it, it is definitely something that's becoming more prevalent. So people are generally polite if they see you in public. Yeah. Usually they'll approach my husband first, which I actually appreciate because he is kind of like the guard gates to me. And, um, you know, if they say, you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I do know who your wife is and I'm actually a big fan. Um, would you mind if I said hi? They, my husband's always like more than like, absolutely. Like it's, that, it's the sneaky really step. cool. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I get recognized pretty often just because I've been online for a while mm-hmm. and I, I've never had anyone be mean, but I also don't, you know, get undressed on. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking it could be really bad or it could just be people are just being fans, right? That, yeah, that's refreshing we, to know that people are are polite. I actually, that good. That reaffirms my belief in basic goodness of people. At least most people. Yes. We do have security with us at big events, um, undercover security that kind of follow around and and watch for anybody that may be lurking or suspicious. And uh, luckily, they've never had to act, but they are there at big events for sure. That that's smart, and uh, I've I've had security at big events too, just because mm-hmm. uh, I'm really worried about physical safety in the way that yeah. you might be, but just because sometimes yeah. you can just get mobbed by fans and whatever. And, For sure, and there's, times, mm-hmm. there's times when that's fine because you're mixing, and there's other times where you know I actually have to go somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have the time. Yeah. For All sure. Right. Does it bother you at this point where you sit there and go, oh my God, like like people around me, they probably see me naked, some portion of them. Is there a little voice in your head going, you know, ah, or are you just done with that? It, it was very weird when my story first broke out because I knew there was really not many people at that point that didn't know. If they knew me, they, you know, they knew what I was doing. And that was a, a weird transition. And even sometimes when I'm on and I'm going through my messages, I'm like, 
I honestly have no idea who I'm talking to. I literally could be talking to an ex coworker, uh, you know, an ex instructor, you know, from school. It does. I have no clue, and I've just tried to put it past me and not think about that. But um, yeah, many times in public, if I do catch people looking at me that I, and I'm pretty confident they're, they know who I am. They just haven't said anything. It is awkward. I, I've actually made jokes with my husband. I'm like, this is so weird. Like, I don't know what they've seen. I don't know. Um, and I just usually just take a sip of the drink and move on because <laughs> there's, you don't know who's watching. And it, especially when you get to this level, you know, your story's out and it could be, they could be friends. It could be ex coworkers. You just don't know. But yes, yeah, a very weird feeling. <laughs> If you look at the number one fear in the in the U.S. at least, it's public speaking, and that's mm-hmm. fully dressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. Most adults have you know terrible fear about you know, being naked in front of other people, even if it's in a non sexual context. I mean, it is a massive thing, and there's body image things and just like taboos and all sorts of, of historical baggage on that, and then. Um, for me, I go to Burning Man and you know walk around one day with less clothes on than you would ever wear, and all of a sudden you realize no one actually gives a shit because everyone's seen themselves and other people naked, and it's not nearly as big of a deal to anyone else as it is in your own mind. And then you just kind of lose the baggage. So I I don't think I would want to see it, but I don't have any shame or concerns if I had to go do what I do on stage naked, I wouldn't blink twice. I just don't think there'd be anyone <laughs> in the audience, so I don't do that. But yeah. it, it, it actually takes psychological work to just be comfortable with your body. I guess it might be easier knowing that these people actually really want to see my body. They're paying for it. So at least you're like feeling really validated. Yeah. For the longest time, I couldn't watch my own content. You know, you, you'd film something, you'd have to edit and cut and put everything together. And I, and I just would blush and I just could not watch it. And some, some content today, I'm like, I, just, I can't do this. I blush and I get embarrassed. And I think before I send it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so exposing. But I guess, you know, that's, that's the part of it, but it, it is a good feeling once you do become more comfortable with like, I know I'm not 21 and I know I have flaws. I know I don't have this perfect body. And I think once you become comfortable with that and knowing that your fans are comfortable with that, um, that really helped me a lot to know that, that that's not my lane. I'm not a supermodel. I don't have everything perfect. I have flaws, but I think that's kind of the joy of OnlyFans is that, um, you do get to see that real side of people and those flaws and and the little roll on the belly. And, you know, it's not cookie cutter, non-attainable stuff. And so I think that's actually led to some of the success potentially of, you know, my OnlyFans, given that, I, you know, I'm not perfect and, and I'm okay with that. So you're a, you're a real person, right? And And I think that's actually healthy if people are going to be watching any kind of adult entertainment to have real people. Uh, instead of, you know, highly, highly, we'll say surgically altered people or digital altered at this point. So I, I think you've got a point there. It, it's interesting. I, as a parent, I look at the number of times I let my kids see anyone killed on TV before they were 12, and it was zero. They might have seen a naked person or two on some TV show that didn't have people running around shooting at each other. And having more of a European perspective on that, um, I, I, like fine, yeah, yes, kids, people are naked. You know that that just happens, and you know this is how things work. And that doesn't seem like it's harmful or traumatizing. Um, it just in the context of what you'd see on TV in Europe, 
versus they would control violence in the U.S. We heavily control sex, but we don't control violence. And there they control violence. And then there's, you know, you can see breasts on TV and it's not like eyes wide shut where there's someone just always walks in front of the camera, right in front of the juicy bits, uh, which always made me laugh. Like it, it's just so ridiculous, this double standard. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's super healthy just to have normal bodies out there. And I'd like to see that. What do you do to keep kids off of wet space? Uh, well, wet space ever, you know, creator will definitely be KYC when they come on. Um, as far as KYC, KYC, I think it stands for know your customer and it's, okay. it's a requirement for adult platforms that you have, you know, verify that they're 18 years of age. They have to upload ID. There is a little bit of process to oh, go and it's, they have to upload ID actually. That's way more than you'll find on the free porn sites that are over the place where you just click a button. So, well, the creator has to do that. Not necessarily, okay. not the, um, the actual buyer. The I don't problem. know okay. that there's much you can do. We do have a disclaimer that has to pop up, you know, that are you of 18 of age. But I think that goes just like Twitter. Twitter's a whole nother world if you really start to dig. And it's it's there's full blown porn on Twitter. And so I think it's really that goes back to the parenting that you have to if you these are things you don't want to, your child to come across, you gotta put things in place. Um, I don't know that from WetSpace's perspective, if there's really much we can do to prevent someone from coming on a website any more than um, any other website could do. Um, but definitely in terms of having creators on the platform, I'll tell you this, um, even so much as um, we we are banning some types of content um, that may depict children of any kind or any kind of fetishes that are in that way, simply because I don't I don't want to skate those grounds. I don't want anything questionable like that on the platform. And that is concerning to me. So there, we have a, a group of, you know, say 15 or 20 ambassadors and affiliates, uh, other creators. And we kind of sat on a call one day and thought, let's talk this out. Like, what are we going to allow on the platform? What are we not? And from a wet space perspective, um, I said, anything that can be of harm to someone or that is a legal issue, we, you know, wet space is concerned for that matter. Otherwise, Things that are just that like, you know, urination, things like that. I, I would sit there for a while and I thought, I don't know how this could affect me legally. And I don't know how this would affect anyone's physical health. So we're fine with it type thing. And I think that's just how we kind of went down the list of what, you know, we're going to allow and what's probably not. I mean, asphyxiation to the point of passing out, probably not wise for wet space to have that. So there's some things that we just, we're not trying to be, you know, discriminatory towards those types of uh, content. But if it's a legal issue and someone can truly be harmed, we we don't want to be the we don't want to facilitate that. Do you imagine though that somewhere out there there's an asphyxiation identified <laughs> person who's like, but that's discriminating against me. It's not fair. It's no different than uh, what the payment industry is doing uh, to your kind of content. That now you're doing that to their kind of content, and now they have to go asphyxiate in the streets <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, how do you address that in in your head? Yeah. No. It's it's a it's a definitely a topic. I think for starting out, what space really wanted to talk about some of these things with other creators because we didn't want. Uh, you know what we may become more lenient in the future or variations of you know of certain types of fetishes um certainly you know whips things like that are not we just don't want people dying on the platform in our first year of launch and we don't want like, anything like that happening and i think that's that's our main concern is some people you, you just don't know and how would we moderate that how do we I mean, I can only imagine, you know, how far things would go. And I, I don't want that to be the case. And so 
to asphyxiation to a point of passing out is concerning um, from a personal, as a nurse level as well. I, I mean, I just, it's crazy to me. Um, that's not good for you. But at the same time, we, we don't want to, we don't even want to getting hurt on the platform. We want it to be a happy place. And, and you don't really know where people's limits will be. And so that I think was where our initial was like, okay, asphyxiation is probably out of the question right now. And that kind of thing. Well, sadly, you're in the same the same place as the Supreme Court definition of pornography. I can't define it, but I know what it is when I see it. And so when you're trying to figure out what's the edge of safe content, it's a judgment call, right? And and I think it's probably always going to be that because God knows what fetishes they'll invent next, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've heard them all. Well, I know not all, but I hear them new ones all the time. Right. I love the psychology behind a lot of it. I think when I first started getting some of these really off-the-wall requests that were very, um, you know, I didn't know anything about. I really loved to dig into how did that develop? You know, how does that, and it's very interesting. And, and many um, of these types of fans that have, that, you know, desire this type of content, they, they know exactly what led them to those fetishes. And it's very interesting. And and that's the nurse in me always trying to, you know, open up and that dialogue just so I can hear, you know, kind of how that develops. I, I always find that fascinating. Well, I, I'm, impressed that you're going up against really big tech with with what you're doing. Talk to me about what big tech does that's getting in the way of wet space. Uh, Well, I think when you, big tech is getting in the way of anyone in this industry simply because everything is so censored, um, you know, and for some rightful reasons, obviously, if you have children on a platform, you know, they want to control their content. But uh, one thing is that like the app store and how like OnlyFans to this day is not an app. They can't be an app because of the types of content, but yet Twitter's an app. And that's interesting to me that, wow. the t- you know, if you're, if you know, the listeners aren't familiar with the dark side of Twitter, but Twitter is basically just as bad as a porn hub. I mean, they have, they have all the content there um, openly. And so it's interesting to me that they are allowed to still have, to be in the app store, but things like, you know, OnlyFans and Wetspace cannot be a wet, an app. Now, OnlyFans and Wetspace operate like an app because you just add it to the home screen type thing. And the way we've, our developers have built it, it will look and feel just like an app. You just have to add it as a, you know, as a web link on your, uh, your homepage of your phone. But it just, that's another area that um, is roadblocks. It's always roadblocks. You know, even as a creator, I can't promote my OnlyFans on pretty much any platform besides Twitter. Twitter, you can, but you can't say it on Instagram. You'll be in trouble. Um, you know, TikTok certainly don't even be in a bikini. So it's, it's very, uh, much, you feel like you're hitting roadblocks everywhere you go and they're shadow banning. And so big tech plays a significant role in the success of many of our businesses, as well as, uh, platforms like OnlyFans and what space that would like to, you know, reach a, either a wider audience or provide those types of pieces of tech to our um, fans and creators and, and can't. It's interesting that Reddit has an app, but there's tons of crazy adult content on yeah. Reddit. Um, I don't know. But they just have a warning, like, this is not safe for work. You have to be 18 plus. You have to be logged in. Can you confirm? And somehow that's okay. Do you think there's some sort of class action lawsuit from a bunch of different adult entertainers that someone's going to put together at some point saying, look, double standard here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely an argument there because it it is, does make you question why, um, especially when you look at something like OnlyFans that doesn't have like 
a discovery or a home feed where you're going to see this content. This content's behind a paywall. So, you know, on Twitter, it's not behind a payroll. It's just there or Reddit, you know, maybe like you said, a, a little alert that pops up, but it's, it's very interesting. I, I've really start to realize it's not necessarily in some cases, the content, it's the making profit from the content. It's the selling of the content that appears to be the bigger problem. And again, that circles right back to the payment processors and the financial institutions because that is really the only difference when you look at Twitter, Reddit, and an OnlyFans is it's the fact that you're paying for content on these platforms. Um, and so for me, I think that that's where it really makes you wonder, is this truly about just sex work being wrong and bad, or is this more about the level of uh, how you know financially lucrative this industry can be uh, for all avenues, for the creator and for these platforms, and if there's some driving force behind it in that way, and if if the cover story is just that, you know, we don't want to have a you know we don't want to be a part of any type of sex trafficking or whatever their excuses were, especially with the Pornhub case back in 2018. It was something very similar to that. But I wonder if that's just maybe the front story, if there's really more motivation on the other half. I I wonder, because if you look at what happened with cannabis, all the state governments are saying, wait, you mean we can tax that? Maybe we should sell it. (laughs) You'd think that the amount of taxes that governments could make from adult content would be enough to make them say this is going to be legal. But I guess the states that are most freedom-oriented, like Texas and Florida, are the ones with the worst laws uh, <laughs> towards adult entertainment. Any yeah. any ideas or thoughts about why it's that way? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look at places that maybe, you know, have where there's a deeper religious roots that potentially could be, or even in the leadership that has different, you know, that very strong religious beefs. A lot of it does boil back to religion and that, you know, of what's wrong and shameful and naughty or what it's not supposed to be. I, I didn't grow up religious. I didn't, um, I, I, I never went to church as a kid. I, I, I honestly was never even exposed to it. So I don't, I even growing up in Texas, believe it or not, um, which is interesting. But I do know that the most backlash I've gotten has been from that. And I wouldn't say uh, Texas probably has pretty heavy religious roots. And the only thing yeah. I can think in Florida is uh, the pot, the age, the population, you know, primarily used to be more of an elder community here in Florida, retirement community. Um, whereas now I think that's shifting because you have a lot of influencers and crypto people moving to here because there's no state taxes, obviously. But I think, you know, that could play into some of it um, in the leadership. But yeah, it's um, it's very interesting how it is. And, and it, it does differ absolutely from state to state and kind of, you know, where your level of acceptance it is. I, I may be an outlier, but for me, <clears throat> for me, the most naughty, shameful, wrong behavior is censorship and oppression. <laughs> and when I see that, uh, I'm like, oh man, that's gross. I, I don't know how anyone could support that. And I don't really care if they're doing it for religious reasons or financial reasons or whatever. That's not how you make a society that works. That's how you make a society that inevitably ends up with pitchforks. <laughs> and yeah. you don't want that to happen. So uh, I'm hopeful that we continue on the path of more freedom, even though the last couple of years have been an aberration. Let's hope they're an aberration, not uh, yeah. It's uh, open dialogue really helps yeah. people grow. You know, hearing alternative views, um, and that's what really helps us shape 
our our own decision making and our our belief systems. And so when you really start to put that down to just one, um, you're really asking for. I mean, that's that can get really dangerous very quickly. What do you do to stay in shape? So the, I talk a lot about what do you eat, how do you exercise, and all that. So you need to look pretty good, uh, it, you know, by your own thing. You're not trying to look like you know a perfect model because uh, you're a real person, but still you got to stay in shape. So what are your tricks? Well, I will say, um, in 2012, I lost 112 pounds, and that is probably High the five. most. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost 100, so I, I feel oh, you. That's okay. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it it was um the part of my life where I did really start to control my eating and I felt like I had the right tools and was more conscious about things I was putting in my body. Um, and it definitely served me well. I, to date now, I am, I feel like I'm on the wrong path. I'm not eating as great as I used to, but I'm, I'm very busy and I think that's excuse, but that's, what's contributing to a lot of, um, you know, not being working out as often as I used to. Um, it's that, you know, their time is valuable and where are you going to put it type thing. And if I, I look all right, I'm doing okay. It's like, it's very hard to want to get up and go work out versus when I was, you know, over 200 pounds is like, you had all the motivation in the world to get up and go work out where now I'm, I'm at a healthy weight, but I I did just purchase a new home and I, we're building an amazing gym and I cannot wait, not even for just physical attributes, but just to feel amazing again, because I, I am, as I'm approaching my 40s, I'm definitely becoming more conscious of, um, you know, my body and taking care of myself, and you know, making sure that it's going to run as long as it possibly can. And so I, I don't want to, I don't want to fall into this trap any longer. And I want to definitely focus on my health because I believe not just physically, it, it's an emotional thing, and it, it definitely. Oh yeah. I felt amazing when I was eating well and, um, you know, working out and, and, and working out not for, uh, vanity for just to look good, working out to feel good is the best in my, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really excited that you're creating wet space and making a, a, a safe, and I'm going to call it digitally defensible platform for people to do what people have always done, uh, is a, a noble task. And I think it's a difficult one, but I'm really glad you're doing it and that you could come on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you to your listeners as well for hearing me out. <laughs> you're welcome. Your website is dot com. Correct. And upgrade Collective. Do you guys have questions for Allie Ray? You have, we have time left, another couple minutes to do that. Um, we'll see if anyone, if, just raise your hand if you want to ask a question and I'll put you on. Uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, I just was hoping that you could uh, describe the crypto aspects of your of your business more. Um, just love to hear what you've innovated on. Yeah. So um, to start, Wetspace will accept stable coins um, like BUSD, USD Tether, uh, coins with low. We will also accept Ethereum. Um, we are obtaining smart contracts for uh, for all these different tokens to take and. One of the things we're finding out is that, you know, not all contracts allow for subscription-based uh, platforms. Some of them can only be used for, you know, one-time purchase type thing. So a lot of people ask, you know, why we aren't accepting every coin. Well, we would love to, but it's it's more a little more in depth than that. You have to actually obtain these contracts, and some of these coins can only work in certain ways. So that's kind of the basis of that. You know, the creator will sign up and have a wallet connected as well as the fan will have their wallet to connect. Um, and what's great is 
the creator can decide which coin she wants to accept and the fan can decide which coin they would like to use to purchase the content. Um, and then it will you know, be an exchange that happens almost instantly. It'll go from wallet to wallet. And for the fan side, it's, it's fairly completely anonymous. You're just going to connect a wallet outside of, you know, your wallet address. No one would um, have any information on you. Um, and then for the creator, you know, there's a lot of benefit to that because there's, you don't have to waiting for payouts. Um, everything happens fairly quickly. So that's the basis of it. It'll just be connecting a wallet and we will continue to add more tokens and more coins down the road um, as we obtain those smart contracts and, and put those in place. Does that kind of answer your question or were you looking for something different? Oh, I mean, it's great. And, and what kind of growth have you seen in traction? So right now we're in a beta testing phase where we have just select creators that we are having test the platform. We're all uploading content. We're trying to break the system per se. We want to work out any kinks or issues. Um, user <laughs> interface is very... We're gonna, you just said we want to work out the kinks on what's yeah. right. We want to keep work. the kinks, actually. <laughs> work out any uh, you know user interface issues. <laughs> and uh, you know, like first impressions are very important to me. And I don't want to put out a crap platform. I want Want this to be amazing and it will be uh, for the creator and for the fan lots of amazing features with discoverability and ways to um, marry you know the fans needs and the creators needs and the types of content that you're looking for so a lot of a lot of information going into that so we, we plan to launch mid to late april you don't want to be the truth social of adult content with your launch <laughs> No, yeah, we'd like our link to work when you go to it. We don't want you to just get a screen that says, yeah, that's that's important. That's really, you know, what it boils down to is we want to make sure if a content creator wants to upload a 40-minute video, they can do that and it's not going to break the system and, um, you know, things like that. It's just working out those flaws and, and it'll it's going wonderful. It's amazing. I cannot wait to share it. It's it's looks very much like an Instagram feel. We wanted people to be comfortable with where things were on the platform and um, you know how to navigate and and so it's it's definitely be something that will feel a little bit familiar to you if you're on Instagram. <laughs> Um, Ali Ray, I'm just looking at the comments from the Upgrade Collective. Um, they're all like dozens of, of people who are saying thanks for being vulnerable. Thanks for sharing what it, it's really like. Um, so lots of appreciation. We have another uh, female CEO who's lost 100 pounds and has you know, strong marriage and family and is a CEO uh, in the audience. So you've got you've got lots of support That's because you're, you're doing the hard work and you're just being you. So thank you. Thank you very much. That's so kind. I'm, I'm so, you never know when you step onto a, a different platform or audience of the kind of, um, you know, reception of what people will think. But um, I'm very grateful that you're getting positive feedback. I appreciate it very much. All right. I will see you all on the next episode. And I'm going to do some more like this because anytime I find someone who's disrupting innovating, who has a really interesting story and some knowledge for us, I think it's important that we think about both sex, because that's one of those big things that nourishes us, but also that we think about what's going on in the world around us, that environment that controls your biology, and how are people creating freedom, creating opportunity, creating ways for people to be who and what they are. Uh, and I think this is a great example of that kind of show. So I'll do some more of these. Thank you. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey.
A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.